John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. Last time I looked at the promise of hope. This time I want to look at the power of hope. And hope is a very, very powerful thing. We know that faith, hope and love abide. Um, it says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. It's the power of hope, though, that keeps us moving forward. Hope looks to the future. And hope promises a better future than what we see around us in this current time and in this current life. It's the power of hope that keeps us on track to seek and follow the Lord. We see an example of how hope in partnership with faith kept Abraham focused on the promise of the Lord. And we'll see that in uh, probably the first scripture that I'm going to look at today. And this, what we'll be looking at there, is the power of hope. So my aim today is to see how hope sustains us as we walk in this current evil age. It's also to see an example of the power of hope in Abraham's example, which we'll get to in just a sec. And also to see that the hope we hold is in Jesus Christ alone. It's not in the power of the works, or it's not in the power of works of law or anything else. The hope that we hold is in Jesus Christ alone. So let's look at that first scripture that I was talking about, and I'm going to go into Romans chapter 4. I want to read from verse 13, just to give you a bit of background to read into the actual scripture that I want to look at. The promise to Abraham and his descendants that they should inherit the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Okay, so the first thing we see is it's not by the law. Now, I know there are many, many people in the church today who seem to be of the opinion or of the belief that you must keep every tenet of the law. And so they do all kinds of things. They fast, they tithe, they do all kinds of things that are said in the law. But it's not the adherence of the law that will receive the inheritance. As it says there, verse 13, Romans 4, the promise to Abraham and his descendants that they should inherit the world did not come through the law but through the righteousness of faith. And we find, as we continue on, that righteousness by faith is something that we receive from God, and it's only through Jesus Christ. Verse 14. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise in void. Why? Because the law is based on works. It's not based on faith. The law is based on works. You had to keep the law or suffer the consequences. So you had to do what was said in the laws, and that's all about works. Whereas with faith, we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in what God the Father has done in Jesus Christ to set us free from sin, to set us free from the law, not to put us under law, to set us free from the law, to give us salvation, to give us righteousness through faith. So we know that these things, and as it says there, if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now, that's an interesting thing here, too, because if there's no law, there's no transgression. How can you transgress or how can you break a law that doesn't exist? And that's what he's saying there. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. There is no breaking of a law that does not exist. So think about this for a moment. And I'm going to get slightly off track here, but this is part of the power of hope that we have in Jesus Christ. When Jesus died, we know that he came to set us free from our sins. And yet, do you call yourself a sinner? Well, if Jesus has set you free from your sins, and we know John chapter 1, verse 29 says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what it says. Go and check it for yourself. 
Behold the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, if Jesus has taken away your sin, how is it that you call yourself a sinner? Are you greater than God? Do you know better than God? When he sent his son to take away your sin, have you, have you said, no, no, my sin, no, I want to keep it, I want to keep it, because I can't let you take it away? No, Jesus took away your sins. He has taken away your sins. We know also that it says he has taken us away from the law. He has set you free from the law. Because, in verse 15, it says, the law brings wrath. Because all that you get from the law is condemnation. The law is there constantly as a big stick to beat you over the head every time you do something wrong. And every time you do something wrong, it says you're a sinner because you broke the law. But Jesus came to take away your sins. He's taken them away. And he also came to set you free from the law. So you're no longer under law. And so then that verse 15 has a much more powerful meaning when you read it, because it says, for the law brings wrath, that's condemnation if you're under the law, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now, Jesus has taken away the law. He set you apart. He set you free from the law. So if you're not under the law, then you're not transgressing the law because he's taken it away. That's a very interesting thing. If you want to know more about that and how that all works, because I'm not going to cover it in detail here, I suggest you go to my website, freegiftfromgod.com, have a look in the resources section at the, uh, at the e-books that I have there, and I have some free e-books there. I have quite a number of free e-books there. There is one called The Six Foundations of Christianity, and I go into this in quite a bit of detail in that e-book. I also have one that's titled When God Says You're Righteous or When God Calls You Righteous. And if you have a look at that one, if you're righteous, you know, God said you're righteous. He promised you righteous by faith. And if he says you're righteous, then you can't be a sinner. So if you want to know more about how this um, release from law, release from sin works, check out those two books. They're free. You can get them for free. Uh, all you've got to do is um, plug in your uh, email address and uh, you can get a, a free copy of those books. If you don't want to give me your email address, that's fine. You can buy them on Amazon for um, the grand sum of 99 cents US and whatever that uh, translates to in your uh, local currency. There are paperback versions which are a lot more expensive and um, I'd suggest get the, uh, the e-versions. So anyway, the, the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith. And that's how we set, set apart from law and our, how our sins are taken away, through faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of us all. And that's what we know. We know that what we have in Jesus Christ, we received by grace from the Father. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. And this is what uh, the promise to Abraham was. Now, verse 18, and this is bringing me back to the power of hope. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your descendants be. So this was the hope that Abraham had had. Now, why was it a hope? Well, it was a hope because hope is focused in the future. It was a hope also because we read on in verse 19 and we see the reason why it was a hope. Verse 19, 
he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Now, here's why it was a hope, because Abraham was nearly a hundred years old. Sarah was barren. She had not been able to have children. She was also past her uh, the time of menopause. Um, she was around about 90 years old um, when she had uh, Isaac. So she was barren, she was past menopause, and so from a human perspective, to look at this situation, it would seem impossible that a woman of that age and in that condition could have children, and yet she did. And Abraham believed God. And it says in verse 20, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And that is why his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. And here we see this, this important teaching. He was given righteousness as a free gift. It was reckoned to him. To, to be reckoned means it was added to him. So righteousness was added to Abraham. Why? Because he believed God. And what was it that he believed? That he would be the father of many nations, even though it seemed virtually hopeless. But he had hope, and it was because of his hope. He grew strong in his hope, and he grew strong in his faith. And it was a hope because it was a future focus. That is why his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, it's important, that uh, statement, as it goes on in verse 23, because it says, But the words that was reckoned to him were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be, it being righteousness, it will be reckoned to us. You reading this? It will be reckoned to us. Righteousness will be reckoned to us who believe in him that raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was put to death for our trespasses. Okay, so we see that. He died for our trespasses. He died for our transgressions. He died for our sins. But he was also raised for our justification. And to be justified is to be made righteous. So in his death... He took away our sins. He took away the law. But in his resurrection, we were justified and he gave us the free gift of God, which is the free gift of righteousness by faith. And all we had to do was believe it. So some interesting teachings there. Now, I'm going to continue on into the next scripture, which is in John chapter 5. And I want to read from verse 42. And Jesus is saying, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Okay, so Jesus was upset with the, uh, well, the people, the scribes and Pharisees and teachers and leaders of, of uh, his time because they did not accept him. They did not accept God. They did not accept the teachings that he, he brought. And he said the reason why is because you're not getting any glory from me. You're getting glory from one another. You know, you raise each other up and you pat each other on the back and you say how great this person is or how great that person is. And he says, well, based on that, you can't accept me. How can you believe, verse 43, who receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Now, the other thing we must understand is they were teachers of the law. They were keepers of the law. But he goes on in verse 44 and says, do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. It is Moses who accuses you on whom you set your hope. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? 
Now here, these Pharisees and scribes and teachers and leaders of the, uh, of the people of Israel, they believed that they were doing the right thing. They believed they were the apple of God's eye and they based everything on what was in the law. And that's what he says. It's Moses who accuses you. Because Moses gave the law, although the law came from God, but Moses uh, wrote the law down and it's that law that was accusing because even though they claim to be teachers and leaders and preachers of the law, they didn't keep the law. And that's why Jesus said to them so many times, you hypocrites, Moses accuses you on whom you set your hope. And one of the things we see here is that if we have our hope set on Moses, so if your hope is set on the law, then you're wasting your time. Because he says, Moses accuses you on whom you set your hope. Jesus doesn't accuse you, but Moses, on whom you set your hope, is the one who will accuse you. We can't come to God via the law. I mean, yes, you need to do the right things. Yes, the law encompasses all of the right things. But the only hope that we have for salvation is in faith. It's not in works of the law. You can't do the works of the law and expect that you will receive all of the promises of God because the promises of God are not based on works of law. They're based on faith. Faith specifically in Jesus Christ. Faith in what God the Father has done through Jesus Christ, through his death and his resurrection, to take away sin, to take away the law, and to give us the free gift of righteousness. And it also continues on because that's only the starting point. After that, he gives us the Holy Spirit who then does the work of transformation in our lives. And all of that comes not by works, not by law, but by faith in God and faith in Jesus Christ. Um, the next scripture I want to look at, the last scripture I want to look at, is in Romans chapter 15. I'm going to read down from verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as is written, therefore I will praise thee among the Gentiles and sing to thy name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Now we're seeing a pattern here in all these words and the next one in particular in verse 12 of Romans 15 says, And further, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, he who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. And that's us. That's us. And he who rises to rule the Gentiles is Jesus Christ. He is the root of Jesse. And he is the one in whom we have our hope. And it's, it's important, the power of hope for us is in Jesus Christ. We have the power of hope as Gentiles. I mean, I don't know who's listening to this. You may be a Jew. Probably more likely you're not a Jew because there's not a lot of them in the world. And if you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. That's the distinction. You know, you're either one or the other. There's no in-between. There's, there's nothing else. You're a Jew or a Gentile. And for those of us who are Gentiles, we give thanks and we give praise to God because... In Christ, the Christ who he sent for us, we have hope. And he goes on, verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And that's faith, in believing. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And that's what I mentioned a minute ago. When he gives us the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit's job 
to bring us to 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 fullness and to maturity in the hope of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. So just consider a couple of things. Can you see now how Abraham held his faith through the power of hope until the promise of the Lord was fulfilled? In spite of the weaknesses in his body, in spite of the, the, uh, his age, in spite of the age of Sarah and the weaknesses in her body, he believed by faith and had hope knowing that the Lord would do what he had promised. That was his hope. His, the power of hope was that he recognized and understood that the Lord could and would do what he had promised, and he had faith in that. And that's what we need to do also. We need to have the same power of hope in us, that the Lord will do what he has promised, that he will set us free from sin, that he will set us free from the law so that we are no longer under the power of the law, that he will give us the gift of righteousness, that he will uh, give us the Holy Spirit, that he will do the transformation in our lives to bring Christ forth within us, to transform us into the image of Christ. And this is the hope that we have, the hope of salvation. Can you see also that works of law are not where we need to set our hopes? Where we need to set our hopes is in the salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, not the works of the law. Yeah, we've got to do the right thing. What's important is not about the works of law, not thinking that by works of law we can be saved, although there is salvation in the law, but it is by faith in Jesus Christ that all of the promises come. Yes, there are promises in keeping the law, but all of the promises of God are based on faith and particularly or especially faith in Jesus Christ. And that's where our salvation is, faith in Jesus Christ. And can you see also that there is only one place where we have hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ alone. So just take a moment now in prayer. Seek the Lord in prayer and thank him for the hope he has given you, for the power of hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And thank him also that we can have hope when all that this world offers is hopelessness. Now, in closing, we're going to continue looking at hope in the next session. So until then, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off. And I hope once again that you have a great week ahead. And I look forward to being with you again at the same time next week. So until then, God bless. And I hope you have a fantastic week.